Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for tuning in. I did it again. I did it again. Thank you very much for, for downloading another one of our episodes and continuing along with our Ted Lasso recap series. We are now on episode six. This episode is entitled The Signal. And once again, we had Erica Dunton behind the helm on it. And wouldn't you know it, this particular episode was written by Brett Goldstein. Mm-hmm. That, if you're not sure who that is, that would be Mr. Roy Kent himself. So Roy Kent was the writer of this particular episode. So what do I think? Well, it was always going to be tough to live up to the the previous episode, which again, I thought was probably the strongest episode of season two thus far. So, you know, we, we came back down a little bit to earth. I still think it was a strong episode. I still enjoyed it, but it wasn't necessarily as good as episode five, but let's still unpack this one, right? I mean, you still have some really, really great moments within this particular episode. And the, the narrative structure is really interesting. You still have your basic kind of like multi-plot setup and you still, you have your, your three act breakdown, but you also had some, some cliffhanger plot lines that kind of like trans we'll, we'll call them like a transitional plot, but let's first break down this episode, right? So our main plot, it's FA cup week and our greyhounds are playing John Rowe's favorite team, Tottenham Hotspur. And what we find is the Roy Kent effect has taken hold of the squad. And so far, everything seems to be going well. He's coaching very well. He's found his spot within, within, uh, within the team. And everybody is kind of, there's a really great cohesion that is going on. So that's all great. Everybody's being a team player, even Jamie Tart. And that should be a good thing, right? Well, according to Roy, that's not necessarily the, the, the greatest thing in the world. Sure, you know, he's making passes to players. He's playing nice. He's a good all-around guy. But as Roy Kent says, at his core, he's a prick. And the team needs him to be a prick. They need him to be getting in the, the heads of the opposition and putting balls in the back of the net, right? So Roy essentially uh, encourages Jamie Tarta to, to be a prick, when it is convenient and only at the direction of, of, of management. So yeah, that's all well and good. Right. So what happens in the FA cup match? Well, they do play Tottenham and they end up winning two one, but that's the results. So they win, they advance into the semifinals, but let's talk about what essentially happens within the game. Right. So they give him the signal. In this case, they essentially, they, uh, they flick him the bird, all four of the coaches, and Jamie realizes, oh, okay, now I can start being a prick. And he essentially calls his shot. Like he, he says that uh, this player is going to foul him, and then he's going to sc- shoot a, a score goal from that spot. Well, that spot is like 45 yards off. So, I mean, it would be a pretty tough, uh, tough goal to make. But wouldn't you know it, Jamie Tart was just the man for the occasion, and he blasts a 40, 45-yard Shot attempt over the keeper, scores a goal. Yay. Tottenham come back. They equalize. And in the dying moments, AFC Richmond do get their winner and they win two to one. We don't see either the equal. Do we see the equalizer? I can't remember. We we may see the equalizer, 
But what we don't see is AFC Richmond's winning goal because of the fact that we have kind of like transitioned into the dressing room and following Rebecca trying to figure out where Ted Lasso is because Ted Lasso has a little bit of a, uh, a panic attack and more on that here in just a moment. But what was really great is that we saw the return of confident Nate where he steps into the play, makes a very wise tactical decision to essentially park the bus. So he brings on a few defenders trying to defend a set piece. And then they end up getting them on getting a uh, Tottenham on the counterattack for the winning goal. And then his post-match um, conference, Nate, explains everything that kind of went down. And then he essentially referred to himself as a wonder kid as opposed to a wonderkin. So the, the new phrase takes hold. So he's still a little, still a little embarrassed, but it, it's kind of fun. You know, we're, we're seeing this, this new confident Nate. My only concern is what happens when, you know, one man gets too much confidence, right? He was encouraged to assert himself by Rebecca and he asserted himself at the restaurant. And then he now asserted himself on the pitch. And both of those are great, right? But what comes up must come down, right? Inevitably, inevitably, what comes up must come down. So I, I do love this, this new and improved Nate. But I am curious just to see, like, if I, if I were writing for the show, I probably would have a moment of the learning curve that one, uh, that one needs when, when, uh, when establishing a little bit more confidence, right? But essentially, that is your your A plot, the the FA Cup. Now your B plot and your C plot are kind of kind of go hand in hand. They're hand in hand. They're kind of thematically similar. But your your second plot or your B plot, Rebecca is now dating uh, a guy by the name of Luca, and she's still flirting with her mystery man, who we who we find out who that is at the end of the episode. But she's in the midst of flirting with, uh, or rather, dating this guy Luca, and her mother shows up in town. And apparently her mother left her father. And as we learn, this is kind of a recurring behavior for, for her mother. Now, she does seek help. Uh, well, Rebecca seeks help from Keeley and Ted and, and Higgins. But nobody really seems to kind of get it, which that also, again, kind of ties into plot C, which we've got Coach Beard and Jane. They're, they're back together again. And only Higgins is the one that sees it a problem. Sees it as a problem, right? Uh, he questions the Diamond Dogs to why they don't see it as a problem, why they didn't back it up. To which you know Ted chimes in with one of his like classic Ted monologue bangers. And I'm going to read it verbatim. So if it sounds like I'm reading, it, it is. I just want to get this lengthy quote correct. So <clears throat> you should never say anything. I learned that the hard way. One of my best friends growing up was at this fella, Marcus Gerard. He did the same girl from grade school to high school to college whole time. And she could be a little bit of a pill, if I'm being honest, you know, no reason to start lying now. And, uh, well, I let him know that I told him so, and he was not too pleased. All right. And that is the last time I give a best fan speech. So fun little levity at the end of that monologue, but it, it, it's interesting. It made me ask this question. And, oh, before I get into the question that it made me ask, eventually Higgins does have a moment with Coach Beard. So Higgins approaches Beard, and they have a moment at the end of the episode, and Higgins has this really great line where he says, look, let me ask you one question. You're a great man. Does Jane make you greater? And it's a, it's an important question, but the, the question I had 
is, is this real? Is silence the best policy? Is it always the best policy? And when is silence not the best policy? And what I mean by that, if, if you have a friend that is in a, uh, what's the word I want to look for, a volatile relationship, is it best to stay silent? I don't know. Like, I sincerely don't know. I think it depends. I mean, if, it, if, it, if, if I'm asking myself, I, I would totally say it just depends on the relationship. Like in my own life, I had been in a few not so healthy relationships and I probably would have liked in hindsight for people to say, yo, this, this ain't healthy. You, you might want to reevaluate a few things, but at the same time, if I had somebody else come and say that same, those same words to me, I might pop them straight in the mouth. So I don't know. it's definitely a tricky balance, but in the case of Jane and beard, I would like to believe that Ted who knows that it's not good that they're together would have that, that trust within their relationship that he could approach beard and say, Jane is, she ain't it pal. She ain't it fam. You know? Uh, So I don't know, but I do, I do want to throw that out to you. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? You know, are, do you find that you are a, um, a silent observer or you want to let your friend know if they were in a uh, rocky relationship? So those are your overall plots. And I did mention there were a couple transitional plot lines for this episode. And I briefly mentioned that Ted Lasso succumbed to another Lasso moment where he has a panic attack. And I guess what... I think this all relates to is earlier in the episode, he receives a phone call from, I guess, his kids' school or summer camp or something. And unfortunately, Ted's in England and his family is back in the States. So he's unable to unable to help, right? He's not able to be there for his kid. And then that kind of also comes up toward the end where there's this moment, like you, you get kind of this, this voiceover um, as a panic is building and you hear Jamie Tart's father talking to Jamie about, about him like being a disappointment or something. So I think there's obviously some type of panic that, that, he, that is in relation to parenting, you know, whether it's his own father or rather, whether it's him being an ab- uh, an absent father, whether it's Jamie's uh, abusive father that, uh, that, that we heard from last season or the, the relationship that Ted has with his father, right? Because, you know, one of the, the great monologues of season one was, was Ted talking about his father, right? Um, I think there were a couple monologues where he talked about his father, but so parenting, I think, is probably one of the, the big explanations or reasons for his panic attack. But in the case of this episode, in like the 80th or 81st minute of the match, he storms off and they kind of like joke it around like uh, that maybe it's food poisoning. And Chris, one of the, the, co- uh, the, the color commentator uh, that works next to Arlo White on, on, on the show, he has a great line that I think I'll, I'll say a little bit later. But... So we know that Ted's mental health is going to be one of the plot lines for the next episode. And another plot line is what we found out who the mystery man is, and it is not Ted Lasso. It is, in fact, Sam, which I think I'd mentioned, you know, could have possibly have been 
a few earlier episodes. I also mentioned, not to kind of like pat myself on the back, but that idea of a misdirect that they, they wanted us to think it was Ted, but just due to editing and everything like that, it, you know, it was just, it, just a classic misdirection. But in fact, the mystery man on Rebecca's phone is Sam. So what does that mean? Hmm. Um, are we getting into predictions? I don't know. I mean, let, let, look, let's be realistic. Would, could, not would, could Rebecca and Sam realistically work in, in this type of profession and environment? Hell no. No, absolutely not. The owner of the team would not be in a relationship with a, a player of their team. I, I just, I, I can't, I have a difficult time buying it, but of course we're, we're going a little, we're going a little rom-com this season. So sure. Could it happen? Yeah. Will it happen? Uh, will it happen? Will they hook up? They probably do. They probably do, but I, it's not going to be sustainable. It just can't be. It just that and now part of me thinks that the the overall end game will be uh, Ted and Rebecca together. I think that's. Well, I think we will get that in the end. I think this is again just one of those little little uh, television misdirects where the the couple that everybody wants to see together, they other forces are going to get in the way. So. Rebecca is going to start to have a secret relationship with one of the players. Ted may get back on the horse and start dating someone, maybe sassy. I don't know. And we're going to end up with a, a Rebecca and Ted relationship when all said and done. But is it possible that Sam and Rebecca could have a long sustaining relationship? Is it possible within the sake of the show Rather, not in real life. Like I said, in reality, the the owner of a of a football club and one of her, one of its players probably probably not gonna happen. Especially with the fact that the owner is like fifty, and I think Sam's like I don't know if I were to guess like 24, 25. So age gap, um, and again, she she pays a salary. So that there there's just a a real real tricky. You know, it's fraternization and that type of fraternization in the workplace just ain't healthy. But I'm speaking from like a reality, but from the from the sake of the show. I mean, they they could have a secret affair, you know, that can at least get them to the end of the season or Trent Krim finds out that Rebecca and, and Sam are an item or something like that. It could, that, you know, that could just be one of those elements that that transition us into into the third season, right? I mean, so that's that's something, but I don't necessarily have any like concrete predictions as this is something that was just kind of like thrown out at the end of the episode. So I was like, what am I gonna, how am I gonna make sense of this? But anyway, I'm kind of rambling around, but that is about it that I've got for this episode. Now, there were a few other little miscellaneous things that I wanted to talk about. Number one, right off the beginning, we had an Arsenal legend appear on the show and that would be Mr. Ian Wright. And uh, he was in like the studio and you, you got a moment where he had mentioned that he hated to admit that uh, Tottenham were a, a big, big club, which I think is really funny. Speaking of Tottenham, we had a Tottenham sighting. Again, I already mentioned that's John Rowe's favorite team. But for those that are Ted Lasso fans from back in the day when Ted Lasso was actually like a 
NBC Sports commercial character. Ted Lasso was the coach of Tottenham Hotspur. Like, so the whole joke is he was a American with no experience or no knowledge of, of soccer slash football whatsoever. And he gets hired by an English team to take over. But in the car, in the, uh, the commercial, he's even more of a buffoon. So he's like sacked or like fired as Americans would say, like, I don't know, like two or three days into coaching Tottenham, but he was hired over, uh, over to uh, coach Tottenham. So we were able to bring, bring that kind of little tie in. Uh, ooh, ooh, but so as if getting an Arsenal legend and Ian Wright on the show wasn't great or getting a Tottenham sighting or specifically Tottenham losing, sorry, John, wasn't even better then how great is it that we finally had that Laughing Liam sighting, right? Uh, Laughing Liam was a character that was introduced earlier or at least was referenced to earlier in the season. I said, God, I hope we actually get an opportunity to meet Laughing Liam. And what we did, we did. We finally met him. And his laugh is, in a word, incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. I want more of Laughing Liam. But there you go. So those were some of your your key little moments or your Easter eggs. How about some uh, key dialogue? Well, Colin has a new mantra. I'm a strong and capable man. I am not a piece of shit. And Ted introduces a little mantra of his own where he says, I love meeting people's moms. It's like reading an instruction manual as to why they're nuts. And Rebecca's mother uh, threw out a little mantra of her own where she said, you see, there comes a point when you realize life is long. And it's also very short. And sometimes it's neither, but it is always what it is, you know? And then Chris, our color commentator on the, on the, uh, the football match says, this is what a fish pie can do to a team. All of those are great, but I think my quote of the week comes from, yeah, you guessed it. Mr. Roy Ken himself, where Jamie says when he's trying to bring every, bring everything back, like bring everybody back together. He's like, I'm trying to build bridges here. Roy says, you couldn't fucking build Jeff Bridges, which is a line that really doesn't make any sense, but it's perfect and I love it. So that's going to be my quote, my quote of the week. And of course, it wouldn't be complete without a fuck in there, which brings me to what was the fucking score this week? Well, wouldn't you know it? There wasn't nearly as much profanity in episode six as there was in episode five. And what I find really funny about that is episode six was written by the fuck master himself, Mr. Roy Kent or Brett Goldstein, right? Like episode five, there were like 30 fucks. This episode, there weren't even 10, but it still beat the hell out of shit, which I think there was only like three or four shit bombs. In fact, Prick outswore shit in this episode. I think Prick had a total of five, but I think if memory serves, there were, it was an eight count on the fucks. So what's the fucking score? You had eight fucks till we'll say four shits. So eight fucks to four shits. But anyway, that is about all I've got for you this week. There were a couple pop culture references this week. You had a little uh, HR Puffin stuff. We had a little Pearl Jam versus Ticketmaster. David Blaine, Ice Bucket Challenge. Rocky versus Apollo. So you had you had some of those. What did I learn this week? Well, I learned that Coach Beard is allergic to horses and radishes, but not necessarily horseradish. And your word of the day to close it all out, everybody can go ahead and look up Philistines. 
I think I've already kind of went over my my predictions because he had kind of like those little tie-ins. I think we're going to get I think we're going to get a little bit more of understanding Ted in his panic attack. So maybe get a little origin story on that. So we also had a meeting between the yin and yang, right? So we had Ted and Dr. Sharon meet up. So we're inevitably going to get a scene with those two. What is that relationship going to look like? That should be fun. We will probably get a, a moment where um, the term that we often use in rom-coms is like a, a cute meet or a meet cute, right? So we're probably going to have a scenario where Sam and Rebecca meet each other in kind of like, like, a, like an awkward circumstance, right? So they're all doing... So, all right, here we go. All right, and I haven't seen these episodes. I'm not cheating or anything, but it's just so obvious that because this is a online dating app, they're going to agree to meet somewhere, right? And they don't know each other. Well, I mean, Rebecca and Sam know each other, but Rebecca and the mystery man don't, don't know each other. Mr. Man doesn't know who the mystery woman is, right? So they're going to uh, arrange to meet up somewhere. And what's going to happen is... Rebecca's going to show up or Roy's uh, or um, Sam's going to show up and they're both going to see each other and they're going to be like totally surprised, right? Like, Hey, what are you doing here? And they'll like, maybe they'll get like a drink while they're waiting for their, for their uh, their dates to arrive or something like that. And it feels like they're both getting stood up or something. So like one of them's going to like text the other person and then their phone is going to light up and then they're going to realize that this whole time it was, each other that were reaching out to each other, right? I mean, that's that's just like I'm, I'm kind of like rambling on. I'm kind of like my my screenplay brain is turned on right now because that's how you would write it. I mean, that's just like so obvious. Like that's the way you would do it. It's pretty simple and, and it works perfectly for television and, and comedy and everything. So there we go. That's what I've got. That's my uh, that's my recap for you. Let's see how these predictions go. Let me see if I'm on to anything. Uh, I could be completely off base, but I'm going to find out right now because as soon as I uh, turn this off, I'm going to go watch episode seven. So we'll see you next time. Have a great time. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Please continue to do so and tell your friends. And I'll see you next time on Stamper Cinema. This is Andrew signing on out. <laughs>